Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. Welcome back to the Bike Life Podcast, and you are in for a treat today. We have Jerry with us, and he worked for 10 years in corporate finance before founding and running a hospice with his mom from 2005 to 2015. Interacting with patients at the end of their life, he learned life's greatest lesson, one not to be found in a cubicle or in textbooks, and it's the value of time. He has bike toured through 17 countries and in 2016 set off on what was supposed to be a six-week trip that ultimately turned into nearly two years, propelled by the curiosity of the human experience. And he lived by the motto of always say yes. So hi, Jerry. Hey. Great to have you here. Uh, I've been uh, following the show since we've started this and it's just been a great pleasure to see and hear how it's been really progressing. And we've got such a great following and happy to be part of it. Yeah. And um, for those listening, Jerry is also part of our board of directors at Warm Showers. And so he literally, when he says he's been following since the beginning, he has been following since the first time that we hit record and we started publishing the show. And he has watched all of you that have been here supporting us really propel this show forward. So thanks for all of your support in making this happen, Jerry. It's about time we get you behind the mic. Great. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) And you have such a wealth of experience to share that uh, we've been talking about this for a long time. And I think that a really good place for us to start is a little bit about the hospice side. Like, let's let's hear, like, how did that come about? Because it feels like going from corporate finance into running a hospice is kind of kind of a, a different leap. How did that happen? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a funny story. And even looking back on it now, some 15 years later, I still don't know how it happened. But I had been following this, this laminated roadmap of success and happiness that was given to me at graduation from business school. And it just it just wasn't working. And so one day, my mom called me up, she was on vacation somewhere, I think in Mexico, and at the time, I was, I was 31 years old and was just, again, following that sort of corporate path. And I won't even try to replicate the excitement in her voice, but it's something to the point where she called me and I answered and she said, Jerry, I have this amazing idea. I know what I want to do. And I could almost just feel her excitement and passion dripping through the phone. She said, I want to start a hospice And at 31, I had no idea what a hospice was or what death or dying had entailed. It it wasn't anywhere near my periphery. 
And in a snarky kind of 31-year-old way, I just sort of said, I think there's already one in town on campus. And <laughs> I think that I don't really want to be part of a bunch of hotels where people kind of roll through town and trash the rooms and sleep in dorms. And she said, no, that's, that's a hostel. I'm talking mm. about a hospice. And wait, what's a hospice, I said. And so after a few minutes of back and forth, she explained to me. And a few months later, we decided to open a hospice. And what was that process like of, you know, starting a business and whew, and that industry is not easy. It's not. It's not. Uh, I got a lot of questions that said, why are you at 31 or 32 years old working with people at end of life? Isn't that depressing? Isn't that sad? Isn't that heavy? And honestly, almost within the first couple of days working in the industry, working with our patients and our staff, uh, it, was, it was quite different. It was very rewarding because I knew that it was just this amazing opportunity to be able to give back. And shortly thereafter, after opening our doors, we had this, this saying, this motto around the office, and it went simply, every day is an opportunity to improve someone's life. And so no more of these horrible, frustrating sort of cubicle jobs. I had this newfound purpose and passion that was literally given to me by my mom and our staff. Mm. That sounds like an amazing experience. Best thing I've ever done in my life, for sure. And how did it, how did it conclude? What was the end of that venture, that yeah. journey? So after 10 years, in 2015, my mom turned 70, and she rightfully so wanted to retire. And I was 41 at the time, and having never not worked a office-type environment, 40 to 60-hour weeks, um, I was given this, this gift of time. She retired, and we decided to, to, to step aside from the hospice. And... It was, it was a tough situation, but it was something that it was time. But the lessons I learned from that will stay with me forever. Probably many lifetimes. Yes. So in that time, had you been riding your bike regularly or done any bike touring? Uh, I, had, I had done a few bike tours. Uh, I, I guess to, to be fair, I grew up riding bikes and bikes have just always been a part of my life. Um, just growing up in rural dirt roads, riding around in Michigan. I, I, when I, was, I think when I was probably 12 years old, I got my first brand new all to me bicycle. And it was this black and gold Schwinn 10 speed. I think it cost my dad maybe $200, which was at the time, all the money in the world I could ever fathom. And my first bike ride out the front door with that new Schwinn 10 speed with the glistening gold speckled paints. Uh, I was going to ride to my friend Bill's house out in the country in Michigan, a journey of maybe five miles, but five miles when I was 12 may as well have been 500. So mm -hmm. I loaded my pockets up with a bunch of Snickers and a mm -hmm. water bottle full of Mountain Dew because this was Michigan in the eighties. And that's <laughs> what we did. And I set off and I've never looked back since. Um, mm. Subsequent years, I had found myself just doing some two-week trips. Um, first one was through the Pyrenees in Spain. Uh, later was in the northern mountains of Vietnam along the China border. But they'd always been what I would consider relatively short trips, two weeks at a time. 
Like a vacation tour. Exactly. Because when I was working those 40 to 60 hour weeks, you get two weeks off per year. And that's what I found myself doing. And so when you had this newfound freedom um, after stepping aside from the hospice, you decided to do a longer trip, which was originally planned for six months. And, and how did you start to plan that trip? Like, why did you choose where you went? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, to, to be fair, it was only supposed to be like a four or six week trip and um, which just turned into something much longer. And when I was working, let me, let me back up. So working with hospice patients, people at end of life, I learned this, this concept, this value of time. And so one of our, one of our early patients was this woman who lived in the mountains above Boulder and she was 95 years old and she had CHF congestive heart failure and just this amazing spirit. All of our staff loved her. And when she did ultimately pass, it was, it was, it was tragic. It was tough. It was one of the first patients that I had met that I was really connected to, but I could somehow justify that in the fact that, well, she was 95 and I thought, well, she had a good run, but several years later, I had a really close friend who was about my age at the time, who was 45, who was otherwise healthy, exercised, ate right, did all the things that she was supposed to do, and she died of breast cancer. And so I started to think of this mentality as I was running a hospice to always say yes to opportunities because nothing else, tomorrow's not promised, as I learned with Mm -hmm. this friend who passed and so I thought I would just go and visit a friend down in, down in Africa who had been messaging me. And from there, doors kept opening. I kept meeting people along the way, as you do when you're traveling slow on a bicycle by yourself, and just kept living by this mindset to always say yes when new opportunities present themselves. So what started as like a, so you planned to go for like four to six weeks. I thought six months, that's a big difference, four to six (laughs) weeks. And, and then you met people along the way and you just kept saying yes. And so you extended and extended. And um, what, I mean, what was that feeling like for you to know that you didn't have the destination of when you needed to return? Yeah. And, and initially I I did, I kind of thought that I would just kind of go to, from Africa to visit my friend. And I was going to, I met someone else who said, you should, if you thought Africa was amazing, then you should check out the Himalayas in India. So then I plotted this route from Northern India up by the Pakistan border, South through Nepal. And then after I think six weeks through India and Nepal, which would have been probably eight to 12 weeks in total, I thought that would be plenty of time having been my longest only trip would have been two weeks before. So I would have been gone two to three months. And I thought that's, that's enough time for me to travel, um, take some time off that I'd never taken and have all of life's questions answered. And it turns out that wasn't the case. And what, what happened that really kind of changed my whole perspective, because again, I had planned to get into Nepal and book a flight and, and come home. And so a week before I was ready to click purchase on the flight back to, to Colorado, I was having dinner in, in downtown Kathmandu, which is an amazingly colorful and lively, crazy place that I think everyone should get to if, if at all possible. So I'm sitting down and I met this couple. They are um, from Switzerland. And they started asking me questions about where have I been? What are the things I had done? Because they also were bike touring. And I told them the places I had been, the places I had seen. 
And they said, well, what are you doing next week? I said, oh, well, I've been gone about six weeks, eight weeks, and I'm, I'm going to head back to Colorado. And they said, well, we've been gone for three years. And I thought, what? How? Wow. What? And they had cycled from all of South America, North America, Africa, Asia, the Middle East. And they said, well, why are you going home? I said, well, you know, I've been gone for, for almost two months now, and it's, that's, it's time to go. And so in a very dry, direct sense of humor, I don't think he's even trying to be funny. Uh, Evo, my friend asked me, he said, are you married? I said, no. I said, do you have a job? No. Do you have kids? No. Dog? No. Let me ask you again, why are you going back to, to Colorado? Mm. And then I thought back to, to my friend who passed of breast cancer. And I thought tomorrow just isn't promised. And you've been given this amazing opportunity that most people aren't given. It's this gift of time. And what are you going to do with it? So I asked him, I said, well, what do you have in mind? He said, well, we're going to go through Eastern Nepal along the Midland Hills Highway, which by the way, is not a highway. It's, it's pretty rough. And then into Northeast India, along the Bhutan border, into Darjeeling and Sikkim uh, for the next three months. Do you want to come? I thought, well, if I'm going by this always say yes mentality, then the answer is yes. And so we spent the next four months together every day. And wow. An amazing experience, obviously. Wow. And when along these journeys did you discover warm showers or had you been using warm showers along the way? So I actually was aware of warm showers just because I know that it's it's started and based out of Colorado, which is where I've been based out of. Um, but most of my experiences were not warm showers opportunities or experiences. The first time that I experienced warm showers, I was actually in Turkey and I was traveling along through the, I forget which mountain range it was. It was in the South though, but I was in this really rural town and nobody spoke any English, which isn't abnormal. It had been the standard for most of my trips. And I, I was looking for a hotel of which there was none because this village was tiny. And I wasn't looking forward to camping, even though I had tents and a sleeping bag, but it was starting to snow and I just was looking around. I must've had that look about me of despair that some guy who spoke no English came up to me and handed me off to somebody else who spoke 12 words of English. And he said, Hey, have you heard of warm showers? And I excitedly said, yes, I have. He said, I'm a host. Do you need a place to sleep tonight? And so I followed him to, to his flat up some stairs and open the door. And that was my first warm showers experience. Mm. And it was, it couldn't have come at a better time because as I hunkered down into my sleeping bag inside the room, which did not have any heat, which was still way better than the snowing and raining and hail sideways bashing against the windows on my room, I realized that this was a really great opportunity and a really amazing experience. Mm. I love that story. So was that part of the two-year trip or it was that before? It wasn't. That was actually afterwards. Mm. It was just another trip because it turns out that bikepacking is, is a passion for mine. And I, that's, that's just something that I will always want to do. So every mm. opportunity that I have to even spend a night or two away outside traveling on a bike, meeting new people, it's, it's an experience not to be missed. Yeah, I love that. 
Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every Bike Flights shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So let's go back to, we got sidetracked a little there. Let's go back to the four months with the couple. So you said yes. <laughs> there was no reason for you to go back. You said yes. Yeah. And you spent four months with them. Had had that been the first period of time that you toured with somebody else as opposed to solo? I well, that's a great question. So I had done some bike tours as a through through the uh, the Pyrenees in Spain again t- two two weeks um, through Vietnam for two weeks. Both were with friends of mine. Um, I had another two or three weeks stint through South American Andes from Bolivia to, to Peru, also with a friend. So it was actually the first time that I traveled solo um, by mm. myself. So I had gotten really used to being by myself and sort of going my own direction, my own speed, making my own decisions. And so it was a bit of a, a shock to go and then tour with somebody, people who I didn't even know and who were obviously an entity, who were a couple. So it was going to be this this new dynamic, which I wasn't really sure of, but it definitely worked out perfectly. That's amazing. And so your trip continued on. So what was next? <laughs> so we actually, we actually found our way. Uh, let me think about this. So at the end of India, we parted ways because I had been gone at this point for six months, seven months, which all my friends and family were saying, hey, what's going on? Are you going to come back? And I thought, okay, that's long enough. I'm, I'm going to come back. And so I was talking to a friend in this very nice hotel in India because I had spent the last probably three months sleeping in the dirt and very just very rural mountain areas. And he said, where are you? are you coming back? Which is a question, again, I've gotten it three dozen times. I said, hey, I'm in this hotel in India. He said, why don't you go to Thailand? It's right there. It's like a $90 flight into Chiang Mai. So I flew to India. I'm sorry, I flew to Thailand. And my Swiss friends went a different way and they went into Myanmar for the next four weeks. Flash forward four weeks, they came through India. God, I keep saying India. They came through Thailand and we connected again like we had never lost touch whatsoever and i'd gotten pretty comfortable and by this time i was definitely for sure going home and they said to me hey what are you doing next week i said (laughs) well i've been gone for now whatever seven almost eight months i'm definitely going home but what did you have in mind well we're going to go into china and eastern tibet for the next three months do you want to come along Wow. And so I kept thinking back to myself, back to my friend who I had lost and back through all my hostage experiences that tomorrow's not promised. And if you have this opportunity, this gift of time, take it. And so spent the next three months with them in China and Eastern Tibet. Wow. And so, 
So, so that continued that opportunity to stay <laughs> and keep traveling for two and a half years. Yeah. And so from there, we found our way into Morocco and to Kyrgyzstan. And along the way, back when I was in Nepal, I, I met this guy who was from Israel and he came up to me and I just got, I didn't really want to have a conversation because honestly, I, I was tired and I had been traveling by myself for probably a couple of months and I was exhausted and I just got back to Polkara, Nepal. And I was standing at an ATM machine, taking out some cash and looking just to go get a, a hotel someplace and just relax. And he was just really persistent, standing behind me at an ATM, which automatically just felt a little bit weird, but maybe it was a cultural thing. And so he finally convinced me to come and have tea with him. And we hit it off, became great friends. And he said, hey, if you ever find yourself with time in your hands or want to come to, to Israel, come see me. You can stay with my family and I'll show you around the country. And so it's experiences like that that have just really made traveling for me so, so passionate. And so the point where I'm going with this is that I did find myself in Israel later on, a year later, and I looked him up and I stayed with him and his family and we had planned to just cycle together for three days. And he was going to go back to work and I was going to cycle the Israeli bike trail from the north along the Syria and Lebanon borders down south to the border of Jordan. And that was just an amazing experience that really made me realize the value of, of bicycle traveling. And what I mean by that is it's so easy to just get in a car or a bus or even a plane and just end up exactly where, where you want to go. Um, but when you travel slowly, and I know this will sound cliche, but it really is about the journey. And what happened one time when I was traveling along the north in the border, it's what's called the Golan Heights region along the border of Syria and Lebanon, there's a there's a Facebook group called Bikepacking Israel. And it's a message board and people can post different things on there regards to uh, accommodations, routes, etc. And I just put a post out there and I said, Hey, my name is Jerry. I'm going to be traveling through this region, looking to meet some new people, good places to camp, things not to be missed, etc. And so when I was traveling on my bike along this border, and I do mean along the border because I could look across and literally touch the border uh, at Lebanon. And of course, growing up and back in the States, I had had this, this fear that travel along these, these war-torn areas that there's going to be somebody hiding behind a bunker lobbing mm -hmm. grenades at me, which, of course, did not happen. Mm -hmm. And so I roll into this small town called Matula right on the border. And, you know, there's, there's armored-up Humvees driving through town. There's helicopters flying overhead. And as the people in town just said, it's no big deal. And, and it wasn't. So I walk in, and I'm dirty, and I'm filthy, and I'm tired. And I walk into this cafe looking to fill up my bottle with water and keep on pedaling. And the guy behind the counter looks at me, picks his head up and says, Hey, are you Jerry? And I thought, wait a minute. Whoa. What? I'm looking out for cameras thinking what kind of ruse or, or game is this? And so I chuckle back. It's like, yeah, I'm Jerry. He's like, hold on a second. Reached in his pocket, pulled out his mobile phone, dials a number, hands it to me. I grab his phone. Hello. Hey, is this Jerry? I'm like, yeah, it is. He said, hey, do you need a place to sleep tonight? I said, yeah, I do. Is there a place around here I can camp? Because there hasn't been that many good spots just because we're along the border and the military doesn't allow it. 
He said, no, no, no. I said, give me your phone number. I'm going to drop a pin from my house. Follow it. My neighbor will meet you out front. She'll let you in. I'm not home right now, but stay as long as you want. I'll be back in a week. If you're there when I get home, great. It'll be great to meet you. If not, safe travels. And so that experience is is why I love traveling, which honestly is is why I, I love warm showers because I this organization is just so incredible. Why wouldn't I want to be part of an organization that just seeks to bring people together to make the world a little bit smaller to create these kind of these human connection kind of contacts? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of that, Jerry. I mean, I know you because you're on the board and we've chatted about lots of things, but hearing more examples of your stories and how you've been impacted is is really enlightening. And it also is a reflection of what's possible, which is what I really love about this show is, you know, being able to reflect that there are so many possibilities when we keep our minds open and our hearts open to connection. And and you're talking a lot about interacting with people, right? So the journey is, is those along the way, which is, of course, what we do at Warm Showers. And so I'm I'm curious, and I don't recall exactly the date <laughs> when you joined the board, but speaking of, you know, it's been also really impactful for us to have you on the board of directors because of your extensive bike touring experience. You know, we have some directors who are mainly hosts or who have done shorter journeys, but haven't necessarily done the extensive traveling. Well, actually, mo- most of most of them have. Um, but how is how has the experience been behind the scenes to be able to reflect? Because a lot of people that are listening to the show, we do sprinkle as much information as in that we can about operationally how you know we make all the magic happen on this platform because we're <laughs> a very small crew behind the scenes. And so how has it been for you to see the perspective from you know being behind the curtain? Yeah, the the things that such a small group of people have been able to achieve during my, I think now two year tenure with the board has been nothing short of astonishing. Uh, we've been able to, to launch a new app, which has been, which has been an amazing tool. And it's just, uh, it's, it's been, it's been really inspiring because we have so many talented and experienced people from not only different parts of our country, but different parts of the world who bring their perspectives and their ideas, their expertise. And the things that we've been able to do as a group has, again, it's been nothing short of astonishing. And it's volunteers like yourself. And from the very onset of this organization that was founded by Randy Fay and a whole group of volunteers, you know, volunteers like yourself and them all the way through now that have really it, you know, it's just so inspiring to see such a group of people come together to work for this organization in such a collaborative way. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, just, yeah, it's just uh, yeah. It, it's just been nothing short of inspiring. And every yeah. project that we that we work on, every 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 task that we take on, it's just it, it feels so rewarding because, again we are really trying to inspire people to see the world in a different way, to slow down, to travel by bike, to maybe get outside of their comfort zone to which 
something that would have sounded crazy to me years ago, but to sleep in someone else's house or invite someone to sleep in their house. And now it feels normal. It feels warm. It feels like, it feels like home. It's a community. And mm-hmm. if more people can, can experience that, I think they'll really, will really benefit from this. And I know that you're also a very active host and, you know, I love hearing it when we have meetings or we're doing work and you have, a, you know, um, somebody on tour coming to stay with you. You know, what has it been like this year amidst all the change um, in terms of how many guests you've had? Yeah, I wouldn't say that we're back, but it was nice to be feeling like we were back, to have people reach out to me and come and stay because where I live in Breckenridge, it's right at the crossroads of, of three major routes where people are always are coming through. And so I, I get probably three or more requests a week. And it's been a really amazing feeling because for me personally, I haven't been traveling for the past years, year and a half. Uh, but to be able to give back and to host people and to share their stories, I've made friends with people that I will be friends with for the rest of my life just by sharing a night with them and a meal with them and hearing their stories and reciprocating back with my experiences and just seeing that we have so much in common. And it's not just people who are touring domestically in the United States. I've had people from Europe, from the Middle East, from South America come through Breckenridge this year and stay with me. And the, the one common thread that I have definitely have learned over the years, and it's been even solidified more this summer is just simply that people are just people. People have their, their own, their own passions, their own anxieties, their own struggles, their own challenges, their own excitements. We're all, we're all the same. We're all in this together and to be able to just sit around and share a meal and talk about the world and talk about life, it's, it's amazing. It's just, it just makes it all worthwhile. Beautifully said. So, Jerry, what's next? What's next? I have a couple of ideas of places that I for sure want to tour once I get back out there. Uh, they will be internationally, but... It's going to depend on the state of the world and how we get back to being whatever is our, is our normal or our new normal. But um, I still have some friends in Israel. There's my, my friends in Switzerland have been inviting me out for a long time now, so I definitely want to see them. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's places in, I guess, the, uh, the former Soviet Republic, so... Um, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia, those places are high on my list. I, I really don't know. And maybe I'll find myself down in New Zealand because uh, I know a guy who, who, who's down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do have a board of directors spread out all over the world, which, you know, if you're going to choose a place to go, it would be nice to meet some of them in person. Yeah. You and I are fortunate because we live in the same state. And so we were able to meet like at a halfway point. So you were the first volunteer or board member with warm showers that I got to meet in person and it was spectacular. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was your first. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, technology does this great thing that lets us connect <laughs> everywhere in the world. And so the in-person, especially with the board of directors, because we aim for diversity, we're usually not all even in the same country. Yeah. 
So, Jerry, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing. You know, we've been wanting to make this happen for a while, and I know that we've only touched the very tip of the iceberg of the experiences that you have. So where can people find you to, you know, follow along with more of your wisdom and um, (laughs) storytelling? Yeah, that's uh, thanks. I appreciate you asking that. I appreciate you inviting me on. This is something that I've been wanting to to do and and connect with you at, at this level for a long time as well. Uh, you can find some of my stories if you just do a Google search for "the world spins by." Um, you'll find a website with some stories that I've written, and you can also find my Instagram at "world spins by" as well. When we'll put the link to those in the show notes so it's easy for people to come find you. And if you are ever in the area of Breckenridge, look Jerry up for those of you that are definitely, listening. <laughs> definitely. You'll get, uh, you'll get pancakes for breakfast and something for dinner. Can't beat that. Definitely not. Thanks, Jerry. And right. thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.